When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I was driving today and I'm wondering if it's too much to ask that I believe that anybody I pass on the road that's listening to something with earbuds or headphones on or biking, walking mm-hmm. in their cars. I, I want to believe that they're all listening to this show. Is that too much to ask? I, I want to believe that we're that big or we mm-hmm. get that big, that I assume that everybody's laughing if they're laughing in their car to mm-hmm. hearing us do our podcast. I think that's a wonderful dream. Um, but sometimes dreams become reality. So uh, I think you fake it before you make it. And I, that's part of the fake. Let's just believe that. Anytime we see anyone with headphones on, they're listening to daddy issues. We just stop them like, hey, what part are you on? <laughs> which episode are you listening to? <laughs> which like, guest? Which guest? Hey, have you heard Barkley? <laughs> They're like, what are you, who are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> Daddy issues. What do you mean? Guess what you're listening to, right? What else would you be listening to on a bike ride? I know. It's so funny. It's just so funny how you get someone in the street or whatever who says, oh, I love Daddy issues and da 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 and, and all of a sudden you feel so important. I'm like, well, oh, man, like I'm changing lives over here. Well, I do have to say as a pat on the back for our show – we spent an hour or so yesterday recording our guest roulette and mm-hmm. met really some, I think, very interesting people that had legitimate questions about things going on in their lives. And they were asking for our opinion and our advice on things that are pretty heavy and very important to them. And I was proud that they were listening and that they were actually bothering to ask us what we think they should do. I know. Wow. I know. I mean, that's it's weird because you want to give advice, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm not a professional, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express right. last night. You know, it's well, one I mean, of those has that moments. ever stopped uh, Dr. Oz or... Who's the guy that talks like this? The bald guy, uh, Doctor hey. Phil. Doctor yeah. Phil. Well, I think Doctor Oz is is actually a doctor. A doctor. I I don't think Doctor Phil is actually a doctor. I I, I don't think that he is. Or, well, he or may, is he? I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, I think Who that knows? could be false information. And now it you're is, denigrating. But- you're denigrating an American hero. Uh, sorry. Hey, Doctor Phil, if you're listening, which you, you probably are. 
I, I apologize. There, I apologize. Uh, that makes me feel um, better. So yeah, but no, but, but we, I, we 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 have life experience. I mean, we we can we can give our opinions. You know, we can give our opinions. My point um, is, we we met people from all different walks of life, from the age of twenty mm-hmm. up to maybe my age or in that range. So a thirty-year mm-hmm. window there of people that listen that are actually getting advice for their own daddy issues, how to be a daddy. All the stuff that we talked about when you and I thought yeah. about this idea is yeah. actually happening. We just need it to happen on a much, much <laughs> bigger scale. We do. We need to scale this business <laughs> for sure, you know. But if it's any indication, I think it's like 68% of our audience lives in Baton Rouge. Yeah. So maybe maybe we move down there and just be lo- get local, just be local Baton Rouge radio station. <laughs> we had six people on that we interacted with. Two of two of them actually, well, one was from Mississippi. Two were from Baton Rouge. So we are mm-hmm. huge in the southeast. We are. That's that's our sweet spot. I should be doing SEC football. Is what that means. That's and right. You probably hooked them with your talents on the show that mm-hmm. is or was Nashville. Right. That's right. That's right. This is interesting. Playing off of our demographics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hey, no, but that was um, that was really fun. When are we even playing? Are we? Are we doing? I think that? we're are gonna we do pro- one. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna shoehorn one into this show. Are we? Yeah. We just but we just then revealed that uh, it's pre-taped. Well, I think people okay? kind of get that. I, really? I, mean, I thought really? we were gonna. I thought but, we were going to we, play it like, you know, like, oh, my God, we're doing this. Everything's on the go. Well, it is you on know. the go, which is a different time than when we're talking okay. to Adam Devine. So it is. Yeah. It's not like they're, they weren't screened. We had no idea what they were going to ask us. Uh, yes. And it, it is basically in real time. It's mm-hmm. just that we lift it out of one day and place it into another. But it's, oh, it's, so it's I think called it's, editing. It's called Plausibly Live. Oh, I like that. That's a good name for your next book. Your new book, dude. Plausibly Live with Joe Buck. Boom. That that should have been our podcast. I know. <laughs> Plausibly you wanna, Live. You want to change it? That's going to take a lot. I'm going to have to throw a lot of keychains and t-shirts away if we do, do that. You know what, do you know what uh, I enjoyed last night? Um, well, my night w- was interesting. My wife had to sleep out. Um, her friend had surgery and she was in a hotel room taking care of her. So I had the kids. And first of all, I watched The Bachelor. Okay. Um, was that I right? I watched the first. F- well, I didn't get there. I-, I binged it. So I'm on the first four episodes. Oh, but I'm, oh, I'm hooked. Oh. I- I- I'm-, I'm-, I'm hooked. I'm-, I'm-, I'm loving it. I've watched-, I've watched it before, but I've sort of fallen off and now I'm back in. But I'm getting to the point where my oldest son... Um, slept in bed with me last night and uh, the kids were asleep and, and he was still awake. He goes, dad, can I sleep? Can I sleep in bed with you? And I was like, oh yeah, dude, of course. He's 13, doesn't happen. And uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was cool waking up and that big ass blanky body is next yeah. to me in the bed. I'm like, there's my my oldest boy who still wants to Get in bed with dad and have that's a so good. With dad, it was I awesome. I love that. I remember my dad taking me on road trips and I'd sleep in the same bed with him, which he was old enough and I was old enough to where it kind of felt odd 
And <laughs> and I I just remember waking up the next day, one of those trips, and he's like, God, you kicked the shit out of me last night. That's the last time. I mean, I guess I was just crunching him <laughs> with my leg kicking. Like I had, yeah. uh, you know, nervous leg syndrome going on during oh, the night. R- so I was like RLS, booting restless leg. Yeah. Restless no. leg. And he's like, that's it. You're never sleeping in a, in a bed with me again. Well, I had a flash when he asked me, you know, because I've talked about this with Aaron. He was our first kid. We're trying to do it by the book. We're trying to sleep train. We don't know what the fuck we're doing, really. And, you know, we, we want to make sure that, you know, he's not coddled too much but he needs love we were you know it's your first kid but we always talk about how we wish that we kept him in bed with us more or when he would come in in the middle of the night instead of taking him back to his bed we brought him in bed with us and and we were more we give him more affection because the way we are with rio our, our our youngest daughter i mean she basically sleeps with us in bed you know right and we're okay with it because it's the third one, and you're like, who gives a shit? But I, 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 I flashed to that last night when he goes, Dad, can I sleep in bed with you? And I'm like, oh my god, like I, I owe this to you. You can live in my bed if if you want. Just because get out of your head. You're like thinking about his therapy sessions when he's 35. I am. Like, he I wish more... my mom and dad let me sleep he... in their room. He won't even no. remember that. And you know, when they're little, every friend of yours is like, don't start that. No, but don't they remem- let that happen. They remember. They they don't remember, but it you know it seeps in. It seeps in. <sighs> I don't remember, you know, my dad sort of the fights with my mother or him really bailing or all that. But I could say that it's probably remember, affected me. So you can basically you can look at me in the eyes right now over the Zoom connection and say that you've slept with Goldie Hawn. I have. Wow. I have. I've slept with Goldie Hawn. Have you ever slept? That's, you you, you be might the, be the only be the, man. It's going to be the headline. The clickbait is Oliver Hudson. <laughs> well, she is your mom. slept with Goldie Hawn. You might be the only man to have slept at the same time with Kate Hudson and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> I always slept with both of them at the same yeah, time. At the same time. <laughs> That's I mean, true. I, you can only you can, you're the only man walking the earth. I'm assuming that can say that. So good for you, yeah. even though that's your mom and your sister. Yeah, I mean, you know if if this gets us gets us a headline, the Daily Mail, or some sort of a clickbait thing, great. Go ahead, post it. Do it. <laughs> you know, New York Post. Go ahead, post it. Do it. Oliver Hudson says he slept at the same time with Kate <laughs> Hudson and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> Next sentence. Oh, by the way, that's one of their kids and a sibling. I slept yeah. with Julie and Carol Buck at the same time, but it just doesn't have the same cachet no, as I know. two A-list Hollywood actors. I know. You know? I know. Oh, you can also throw Kurt Russell in there, too, which really makes it heavy. Oh my God! Think about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know. that is like a dais from heaven up there. That's like a head table. That's something that someone would pay seven figures for at an auction. Mm. Jump into bed and watch movies with Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, Ooh. Kate Hudson, and are you going to eat during this whole thing? Is is Aaron feeling guilty because she left you alone last night? So she made thinking you about lunch. That looks fucking good. I'm thinking about eating like through eggs, this whole thing. 
It's going to annoy because I'm going to be listening to you chew into that microphone. It's eggs what is with that? bacon. Wow. Mm. Did she make that from scratch? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to eat I assume I'm, that was I'm Aaron that just handed you that. No. Well, you can eat now Kenny. before Adam gets on. Kenny made no, that. That's all right. Me. I got to be respect. I got to be respectful. You know? No, eat. Come on. Don't stare at that the whole time. You're, you're I'm gonna constant. All right. Your concentration is going to be completely mm, diverted. Nom, nom. Yeah, mm. no, that's not it. That, yeah, that's not annoying mm. at all. It's like nom, I'm doing a mm. podcast with a cookie monster. <laughs> oh, cookie. Cookie eggs. I like eggs. Eggs mm. are good. Oh, and there he is, right on cue. I'm chewing, Adam. I'm chewing. <laughs> I'm eating an egg sandwich, dude. You came on at the wrong time. Oliver, can I ask? Uh, it looks like Joe is in like a super nice office with trophies and yeah. stuff behind him and pictures of yeah. his family. And yeah. you yeah, are, yeah, yeah. That, that's just like you're surrounded by, okay. uh, is that trash yeah. or what is it? Yeah, it's trash. <laughs> that's my egg sandwich. <laughs> A banana, Advil, Advil. Advil. banana, yeah. And then I got it's just a piece of shit right now. That's tight. And then That's I have cool. my shoes. You see all my? I, I have oh, okay. a weird shoe situation. Well, we see what's you know. important to you. That's nice. And a yellow yeah, tail. Not the it's, family, uh, <laughs> dude. God. You don't understand, Adam. You look. I have three kids. My house is a complete disaster and has been for about 12 years. It's just Whoa. a kid's frat home. There's constant shit everywhere. You clean it up, and within five minutes, it, things just appear. I can't get it right, man. Well, I, I uh, moved into a house with my now fiancé, and she has done all the decorating in my home. So, so uh, as you could tell... Um, that means there's absolutely nothing on any of the walls, and uh, none of the things that I think are important in my life are uh, worthy of my <laughs> office. So, <laughs> when did you get engaged? I got engaged uh, October of 2019. Mm, so, so, next uh, thing you know, there's a pandemic. Sweet, sweet pandemic love. Uh -huh. um, yeah, we thought about ending it, but then we're like, well, we'll never find anyone else. So <laughs> let's let's stick it out for uh, 25 years, 30 years. Yeah, well, I uh, I got engaged. Um, I was what, 29 years old. I was extremely fearful of it, right? Because mm -hmm. I came from a family where my dad, you know, the bad divorce. Kurt came into my life, was my stepfather, and that's what I saw. That's what worked, you know? Mm -hmm. So I always had this notion of, uh, I'm not going to get married. I'm just going to be in love. Or were you my... like, should I just bang one out real quick, quick mm -hmm. marriage, and then the second one will be great, the, se the right. second partnership? Yeah. Right, exactly. I didn't, I, it, well, I didn't want well, to follow in those footsteps because it was not pretty for a lot mm -hmm. of people. But I, 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 my mom is the one who basically said, you know, do you love her? You know, get engaged. It's just a token. Okay, you're giving her a ring, but it's a symbol. It's saying you want to be with her for the rest of your life. You don't have to get married right away. And that's exactly what we did. I, 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 we, I proposed, and I'm like, we don't have to get married right away. So two and a half years we were engaged. And it was oh, nice. Great. It was nice because yeah. we didn't, be, there was no pressure. We're going to be two years in. And I think, uh, I think that's the right time for us because, uh, you know, we were able to wrap our heads around. How much bullshit you have to do for a wedding? 
So mm. that that's basically, <laughs> been, been, I think if we, if we were in a year, if like we got engaged and then we got married within a year, we would get married in like an alleyway. But now we're going to yeah. do it somewhere nice with flowers <laughs> and stuff. So it took us two <laughs> years to get there. Are you, are, who's the, I assume, and maybe I shouldn't, uh, it's sexist probably, but is is she hoping for the big to do, the big wedding? No, she actually, it's kind of... Uh, it's sort of the opposite of what you would think. She like wanted a really small, intimate, and I'm like five thousand people, a marching band. Uh, <laughs> I don't get enough attention in my in my work life. I also need it at home. Um, so no, I it, yeah, she wanted it much smaller, and I was like, well, we gotta do something. And then the so we sort of compromised with the pandemic, and it's gonna be. Much smaller than I originally wanted, but we're still going to uh, do it at the end of this year. And hopefully some of the restrictions and some of the uh, protocols are are more chillaxed. So. Dude, I was I was such an asshole because I do. Tell. I'm a pretty private person, I guess, I guess, you know, I mean, when we were getting married, I didn't I didn't want anyone there who I didn't know watching me speak my vows that I had written to my wife that were personal, Mm -hmm. you know, and from the heart and all, of course, all the stuff. So I made my wife, I said, I said to Aaron, I said, look, I know you have all your girlfriends, you know, from high school and college who, who I kind of know and some I don't, but I really don't know who these, their husbands are and, (laughs) or their boyfriend. They're not invited. I said, I said, I literally said, I said, I don't. I'm sorry, but I don't want these weird dudes at my wedding. I don't know them. I don't want them sitting up with only 90 people there watching me do my shit. So we had to, she had to tell her friends. God, like, what an you, guys, you are an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, they, I will I just, say <laughs> that that is uh, that's hilarious, and that is also my what I'm least looking forward to is being vulnerable. A word I can't say. You guys just outed me. Vulnerable. Uh, <laughs> in front of all my friends and family. Because, you know, I'm used to uh, doing comedy and I'm used to talking in front of people. But then being so open and honest with my feelings uh, is, is going to be weird. I hope People are going to expect a joke in there. People are going to expect. Sure. And your mind, your mind the entire time is going to be thinking of spots where you could digress well, and throw some line in. I with out of doubt won't be able to help myself uh but part of me wants to be so real and so honest that it makes my dad and my uncles uncomfortable because they're kind of they have the same sort of emotional response as me <laughs> that, they're, that they just start booing me they're like boo yeah <laughs> boo oh, back to my... the funny shit well i i went through that it, uh Seven years ago, almost, you know, in a few weeks, it'll be seven year anniversary. And I wrote my vows out. My wife wrote hers out and then memorized them. I wrote mine out and read them. So she went first and delivers, you know, something from Mm -hmm. Hamlet. It was the most beautiful thing. No help whatsoever. And then I pull this stupid script out that I wrote out of my pocket and I felt like such a dick because she went the extra mile to actually memorize what she was. And it was oh, not short. Wow. And I'm like, this, I suck. I mean, I'm already one down and we're just starting. 
this, yeah, I this want, marriage. Yeah, I want like a cue card guy. Just yeah. standing just right uh, right behind the audience <laughs> large enough. <laughs> right. He's really gazing out to us. Shouldn't he be looking are you, at are you Are you going to write your own vows, you think, or just go standard fair? Uh, no, cut and paste. Yeah, I'm going to find cut it on the paste. internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I bet I'm, I'm going to give a, it the old college try. Well, dude, because I, again, I, first of all, I mean, I was honestly in a f- crazy place when I was getting married at 29 years old. I mean, that's a whole other story, but I was just not in my right mind. I was not in my body. I was, a, I was just fucking on edge for mm-hmm. various reasons. And so I, I, for my vows, it was such a weak ass thing that I did. The way I'm describing my wedding now, it's like I'm a, such a horrible human being. But <laughs> I, 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 I took old journal entries, basically, that I had written about Aaron and kind of just copy paste and threw them together and. Well, that's read great. Them. You have journal entries. I don't have any journal entries. I've, I've, yeah. I have nothing written. So you, it looks like you already la- did I, some I got pre-work. La- I got, la- I was a lazy, it was lazy, it was a lazy man's. Lazy man's vows, though, you know. But did she I, read them journals, though? She probably didn't. She probably had never seen those before, and it still meant something to her. See, I just, I just saved your, your old, your marriage. Uh, <laughs> I just used a journal entry where I was like, not sure if this is working out between. Them or not. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was not, not the entry. I didn't know that you journaled. I might have to cancel this whole. I don't trust people that journal. <laughs> Who's what got time read? in the day to journal? I don't journal every day, but I mean, there was a time when I was writing in my journal because I was just, I don't know, getting shit out. I uh, i respect a journal only, uh, because, one, I don't ever, even though I definitely have time because I watched uh, all of Peaky Blinders twice during the pandemic <sighs> so to, uh, to journal, but uh, it's still, t- I'm always like, no, I don't have time for that. And then anything that I've ever... Even when I remotely try to journal back in the day, I look back at those and, and it's cool to just sort of like jump back into where your headspace was, you know, years ago. What, why, well, what, have you ever thought about journaling about Peaky Blinders? <laughs> that's a great idea. And that's why you're the boss, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, he yeah, did it again. Yeah. I, uh-huh. the, prob- the problem is I've gone back and read journals and it's the same shit from 12, 15 years ago as it is today, I, 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 nothing's changed. And that is depressing because my my New Year's resolutions are all the same. Everything's the same. It's like, you know, be, be a better guy. Like, be more emotional. Write a script. Direct something. It's all the same shit every single year that I never accomplished. I think Adam got your journal because he's doing stuff. <laughs> I and found that <laughs> he's acting on your resolution. Uh, no, I actually have the exact same thing. It's funny you said that because uh, last time I was home visiting my family, which was uh, over a year ago now, and mm-hmm. uh, my mom dug out like an old old notebooks that I had and gave it to my fiance to look at, which was immediately embarrassing. But they were like old, old. They were like sixth grade old, and mm-hmm. it was like. Uh, uh, it was like a, a note to your 20 year uh, for 20 years from now or whatever <laughs> uh, that like some sort of school assignment that I had to do. And it was uh, uh, get buff, uh, make make that Skrilla, I said, 
become a comedian and uh, be a movie star. And then instead of writing star, I did a star like I did a star design. Uh, wow. So, and that's exactly who I am still. Uh, <laughs> and exactly what Hillary Duff wrote when she was 16 years old. She did the same thing. She wrote, she did a star. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming be a, and getting buff. Was yeah, something that was oh, very important. Yeah, to her. super course. important. That's why she signed on to Million Dollar Baby. She's like, <laughs> I've got to start training. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't even need to read it. It's about working out. I've I've yeah, got to I'm in. put me <laughs> in. Manifest. Yeah, but this. You, but by the way, you're doing pretty good with that. I mean, are but are you buff? Because everything else, it seems like you're taken care of. Have you seen the, the you. righteous gemstones? Are you kids? Thank kids you. ripped. Thank you, Joe. Uh, you know, I'm at a weird stage in my life where I uh, I work out every day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I'm not out there pumping the irons. Uh, and I'm being serious about it. Wow. But uh, I do work out every day. Um, but I still, uh, and I eat pretty well. I still drink uh, just enough to negate all work that I do in the gym. So, mm. like, and I don't drink every day. It'll be like one day a week. And then my, uh, you know, my, my like one friend comes over <laughs> and uh, we, I drink like eight beers and then it totally negates. When you know, just just five years ago, I could do that, and um, and my body would would be so on and popping. Damn, you should have seen me five years ago. You guys like we did. It's the Pitch Perfect movie, right? Uh, yeah, you weren't that in good shape, dude. I need to get my body popping. It's just so fucking hard. I don't have the. I I, I just. It's hard to have. I, I, you gotta, it's, it's, you gotta have the time. It's not even the time because working out doesn't take that long. It's uh, the eating. It's the eating yeah. and the drinking. Yeah, it's the and that'll, yeah. And that'll bite you. No, I know. Hey, listen to me. Okay, if you like conversations with comedic actors like in today's episode, go check out the Daddy Issues archives and listen to our conversations with actor David Spade. I've known this man for a long time. He's a great friend of mine. We discuss everything from co-parenting to comedy to hanging out in the desert to David's rise to fame and so, so much more. That's just the PG-rated stuff. Listen to this episode and you're going to hear, you know, you're going to have to cover your children's ears. You spend your life trying not to be like your dad in some ways. And there's some things that my dad I like, but he, he scrammed on us when I was four. We were four, six, and eight. Uh, this is where the viewership fucking dives down a little bit. No. Uh, <laughs> no, this is where it spikes. That's where it spikes. Yeah. So just because Joe actually seems like he cares. He's a nice person. Um, I do. I live in Missouri. Would you like me to raise your child for you? Oh, shit. That would be a huge help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this short break with more from today's guest, Adam Devine. I, I don't mean to make you relive a story that I'm sure you have to always talk about, which is that accident you had when you were 11 years old, but Okay, we're getting. I, I, I thought this whole podcast was about journaling for just a second. Just like bullshit. I yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. I mean, you're. So you grew up in Omaha. I did. You get hit by a truck when you're 11, which was yeah. a serious, serious accident. You have to basically retrain yourself 
how to walk and how to how to physically act in the world and you get made fun of at school and it 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 brought about this tremendous wit that I think you have this quick wit defending yourself that I think is kind of the root of, of the person we see today. Is that too oversimplified? No, I think that's probably right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I feel like everyone that's kind of in our positions where we talk about ourselves a lot, uh, we have an origin story that we build up so greatly that it was like, and that's where I've gained my powers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but I think I, I do think there is something to it. Um, I, I had a really bad accident when I was a kid, hit by a cement truck, couldn't walk for about two years, uh, in and out of the hospital, I had 26 or 28 surgeries, something like that. And yeah, it was, it was tough. And I, it was right when I was heading into middle school, I was going into the sixth grade and that's when human beings are at their worst as, as, as a sixth grader. So I feel like you're kind of usually kids are pretty sweet when they're younger. Mm. And then by the time they hit sixth grade, they're like, let's burn it all down. Yeah. And, uh, Puberty, and, too, is happening. Oh, yeah. And everyone's just so horny and no yeah. one wants to touch the the wheelchair kid. You'll get those cooties. <laughs> so um, so were you in a wheelchair? For, yeah, I was for- in a wheelchair for two years. And and I was also the new kid in school. So it was kind of a double. Oh, my whammy. God. Wow. Um, that being said, I still had my friends and I had people that were very kind and, and sweet to me. But I definitely had some people that uh, would make fun of me. And then later I found out that uh, those same kids had like horrible home lives and, you know, things aren't working great. Even though they're like the cool, quote unquote, cool kid at school, the rest of their life isn't that cool. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that didn't uh, stop me from writing my epic slams and coming to school and uh, totally annihilating them in front of all of their friends. That's great. Sorry, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you had a moment, not to jump to the end of that, but have you had a moment where any of those kids have come back around as adults and said, hey, look, I know I wasn't nice and here's what was going on or I'm just sorry or whatever. Well, most of uh, most of that kind of shook out through the years just going to high school because it didn't last forever. It was mostly middle school and then uh, sixth and seventh grade. And by eighth grade, I played football. Uh, I was oh. horrible at it. And my mom made me wear shin guards and arm and forearm guards like a psychopath. I was just like a marshmallow out there. But, uh, you know, so I, 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 I really tried to bounce back and just sort of assimilate, uh, and kind of do, do my thing. And then those same kids that ended up making fun of me, I would make fun of them back. And then once you sort of do that and defuse and Mm. realize they realize you're not going to be a victim, and mm-hmm. you can give it as good as you're getting it. Uh, I just may end up making friends with those kids. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we're obviously in a bully culture. I mean, not that bullying didn't exist back in the day. I think it's just there's just more awareness now. Obviously, technology has created an, an entirely different platform for that. For and sure. It's extremely harmful, and kids are, are, you know, are sometimes killing themselves because of it. But w- the way you combated that might be an interesting way to sort of you know. Well, I think it was easier too. Well, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like I've, teach I've tr- the kids how to fucking fight back in a way with their with their wit, you know? I Go feel at them. For, at least when I was growing up, before the internet, uh, <laughs> I, it, it was easy when someone would make fun of you, 
you could, and then everyone's watching, you could then turn around and make fun of them back. And if what you said is funnier or more clever or, you know, quicker witted than what they said, which nine times out of 10, I would say 10 times out of 10, they were because these kids were just first thought. They weren't putting any thought into their slams. Mm -hmm. They weren't mm -hmm. going home and writing in notebooks with mm -hmm. their, uh, you know, with their legs in traction. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they were going about their lives. This is this is first thought slams that they were given. Uh -huh. And then when you would come and say that, everyone would be like, oh, never mind. This kid's cool. Now you do that on the internet and you and you clap back and yeah. it's just it's in the wash and no one knows. Yeah. Yeah. When, and your feelings are just hurt. So it's a it's a kind of a different thing. And I feel bad for kids that are having to go through it nowadays. Oh, I know. I know. What about growing up? What about home life? You know, I mean, brothers, sisters. Yeah, you know, I, have a, I have a little sister, uh, Brittany. She uh, she's doing great now. She's mm -hmm. a, you know a, f a fully a, an adult woman, and mm -hmm. uh, she did exceptionally well when I was going through my accident. Uh, to uh, you know, it's hard for to be a little girl and you're the younger sibling, and then your older brother gets hit by this truck, and then suddenly I was just the star of the family, you mm -hmm. know? And mm -hmm. and it was like, I could do no wrong. They they did their best not to spoil me, but it's hard to not spoil the crippled kid because they they have to do everything for you. I couldn't mm -hmm. go get myself a Capri Sun. They had yeah. to do that for me. Uh, <laughs> so she, Capri, she did a great- Capri Sun. Who doesn't? This is oh, sponsored God. by Capri Suns, isn't it? Yeah, We'll take anything. Yeah. We'll take anything. <laughs> Sunny D, yeah. Capri Sun. They're competitors. You can't have yeah, both. You got, okay, we got to pick I, one. Either one. We're gonna we're gonna get into a bidding war here before this thing's over. Did that change? Did that change your relationship at all? Where she's like, "Fuck this!" Basically, my brother's getting all the attention, and it's bullshit. No, I think it took. It definitely there was that, and I think that lasted. That came years and years later. I hired her to be a PA uh, on Workaholics uh, the, for the first few seasons. And if, if for your listeners that don't know, a PA is a production assistant, and that's the worst job you can have in entertainment. You're just sort of the the bitch of the set, and you have to go do anything that any boss says to you, and you just it it, it kind of sucks. And it's my little sister, so I'm like I'm I I felt like I was almost harder on her because she is my little sister, and I didn't want to show that I'm showing any favoritism. And I remember one time I liked the ice at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf better than I liked the ice at Starbucks. So they had like the little cube crunchy ice. And uh, <laughs> and so I would send her like we would be on location somewhere. And she's like, Adam, the nearest Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf is like eight miles away. There's a Starbucks across the street. Can I just get you Starbucks? I'm like, no, you can't. I need the. <laughs> And then she finally was like, I hate, I hate this man. Uh, I'm done. I quit. And rightfully so. Looking back at the time, I was like, well, what a spoiled little brat. And then, uh, you know, uh, a few years later, I, I realized, oh, that was on me. I, maybe I, maybe I should have just uh, allowed her to go to the regular Starbucks. That's really funny. Dude. You have packed so much stuff. When I look at, at you know, your resume and the shows and that you know you mentioned workaholics i feel like that's kind of you you're you, you have a lot of drive you're a guy that's i would assume pretty tightly wound 
Um, and, and you don't like, if you want to lift every day, there's a reason you're lifting every day. Maybe that goes back to the accident. Maybe it doesn't, maybe you're just getting aggression out. Maybe you, you just need that quiet for yourself. Um, maybe because he's you're a narcissist who just wants a really dope body to look at yeah, in the mirror. I have so many mirrors in my garage where I work yeah. at. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a misting cannon that missed me. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, are, is that you? Are you are you kind of the guy that's, no, that's, that's, that's always for looking sure. for the next project? And you know, not to, I, I yeah, as as much as anything, it, anyone's life, sort of, they're all building blocks, right? So no, no matter what you've done in your life, you're building on top of that, and that whatever is beneath is the foundation for the rest of your life, right? So I feel my. Uh, accident is the foundation for the rest of my life, for better or worse. And I think I had to go through years and years and years and years of physical therapy. So I would go five days a week to a physical therapist, relearning how to walk, working out every day. And that just kind of became uh, a, a place and a time that I could go do my own thing and not worry about school or friends or family or anything else that's weighing on my young mind and I can mm-hmm. uh, just work on myself. And I still feel that that holds true today and why I'm such just a beefy jock. <laughs> what about the, what about the mental part? What about therapy? What about, what about your, your mind? With, you know, yeah, with I don't that, do any cause... of that, Oliver. Uh, it's, it is a, <laughs> it is a rusty steel trap up there. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty well adjusted. Uh, I, you know, as anyone, I'm sure that would be helpful, but I, I haven't really gone down that path yet. When I do though, I'm going to have a whole podcast dedicated to it because uh, mm-hmm. it, I do find it fascinating. Well, well, mm-hmm. that's kind of why we started this. Oliver's done a lot of work on himself. I feel like I've tried to do the same. Oliver's story with his dad is totally different than mine. And yet everybody, this through line of having daddy issues, they can be great. It, it doesn't have to be a tragic story or heartbreak or my dad walked out on me. It can be, you know, it's hard to live up to somebody that I admire as much as I admire my dad. Where where does your dad fit on that spectrum? Uh uh, can I tell a funny story? Uh, sure. That'd be funny if you guys were like, no, not here. No. Um, not here. <laughs> no. Not, not during the podcast. daddy segment. Not during no. the daddy segment. No. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll cut and paste it earlier. We'll, we'll put it in earlier. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, would wore, I wore shorts uh, as a kid, and I have uh, extensive scarring on my legs from the accident. And it looks pretty crazy because the uh, – it you know, not to get too gross, but it, I, when I hit the pavement, my body was going flying like 50 miles an hour on the pavement and it it ripped the skin off my knees from the knees down. And, uh, so it looks like uncooked chicken meat or like Freddy Krueger's face. And I was wearing shorts at school and, uh, I was just, it was my senior year. And I finally was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to wear shorts. And I, these kids were like younger kids that didn't know were like, Oh my God, what happened to your legs? Oh, what's wrong with your legs? And I'd go, my, uh, my dad held me down and, um, doused me in gasoline and, uh, would flick cigarettes at me. And they're like, Oh my God. (laughs) And I'm just like spinning this insane, horrible (laughs) yarn for these kids. 
And then they went and told their the oh. school counselor, called my oh dad. My. Was like it was like a whole thing. Dad's and I'm like getting arrested, wrestled yeah, and to I'm the like, ground. I, I had to go and I'm like, you know my story. I'm obviously lying to these kids. Like, you know my story. I was hit by the cement truck. I'm the cement truck kid. There's no, there's no gasoline. Uh, but uh, so my dad was pretty upset by that. But uh, <laughs> by him yeah, being that, a child That'll abuser ruin one's my wet reputation in <laughs> Omaha. It's not like yeah. you're in, you know, Manhattan. You're in yeah. Omaha. Yeah, they'll, they'll hear about it. But... Um, no, my dad is, he's pretty great, uh, you know, but he's super blue collar. He did not, uh, when I chose to to move out to Hollywood and, you know, kind of uh, start this path to, to have this career, he didn't get it, you know? I mean, he was like, uh, he is a, a railroad worker and is a retired uh, railroad worker for 35 years, so... To him, like you just get a job and start to build a life for your family. And he thought that this was the craziest thing he's ever heard. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, and it took a long time for him to to get fully on board. But I will say if it wasn't because of the accident, I don't think either of my parents would have been okay with moving their 18-year-old son to all the way to Southern California from Omaha, Nebraska uh, to – you know, live out his dreams. It seems like a an insane thing. They were they were just sort of like, you didn't die, go for it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. You're destined for whatever the hell it is that you want to <laughs> yeah, do. For what sure. what was the turning point though? I mean, you you said it took a minute, but what, was there the moment when he was just like, oh shit, okay, wait a minute, this is real. He's making money and he's actually you know, supporting uh, him. Yeah. That happened like last month. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> it was a decade in, uh, <laughs> uh, no, it was, uh, things, it just, the way he says it, he's like, even though it wasn't like I moved out here and the next day I'm, I'm starring in movies. Uh, but there was always just like little sort of stepping stones. And it seemed like I was climbing the ladder little by little, uh, that it, that he was like, oh, okay, he got a commercial. He like got, you know, first it was like I was getting callbacks and then producer callbacks and then I was getting in commercials and then I was getting little parts on shows and I was doing stand-up and it all seemed like, like I, I didn't just come out here and sit on my ass. So if mm-hmm. I would have done that, I think he would have, uh, you know, uh, understood that and that would have been the red flag, but – I think uh, since I came out but here and he, sort of grinding. But he supported you. He might not have been sort of on board because of he was just concerned, but he supported. Did he support sure. you coming out and doing all of it? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And and mostly it was I mean, it was my mom in his ear just going like, yes, he needs $600 for an acting class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I needed $400 for an acting class. I needed 200 for <laughs> hot vodka. <laughs> did you did you act or study it in college out in california or was was this all on the side no i went uh i was gonna go to ucla and i was accepted there and it was just too expensive for out of state and so i was like i'm gonna go this was the the sell to my parents that i was gonna go to community college in orange county and uh get uh, transferable credits for two years and then transfer up to UCLA and finish college. And then after two years, 
I got two, uh, three transferable credits and couldn't go to call. Like, I didn't get enough. All I took was improv class, creative writing, uh, you know, screenwriting. Like, right, nothing right. that would, would transfer to you. How about math? Say How about No, none English? of that. None of that. History. Uh-uh. Okay. Um, and so I then had to call them and be like, yeah, I, the wool was over your eyes. I'm moving to Hollywood. I'm so sorry. Um, but they kind of mm-hmm. saw that coming too, so. And I that's where to, you uh, met Blake, right? Isn't that yeah, that's I went where you to met Orange Coast Community College and met Blake Anderson and Kyle Nuichek, who I ended up creating workaholics with. And then Kyle and I moved up to uh, Hollywood where he went to film school and I got a job working at the Hollywood Improv Comedy Club, answering the phones and, and working the door. The worst door guy they've ever had in their 40-year history. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, because I was I was 21 at the time too. So I was just like I understood the plight of having a fake ID, so I was like, come on in here. You're good. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Just just the worst. <laughs> like, for sure, could have got them shut down. Um, and uh, met them in community college, then moved up to L.A. and uh, started to take classes at the Second City Conservatory, and then that's where I met Anders. And then that was kind of when YouTube was just starting to pop, and yeah. I got the bright idea that Kyle's in film school. Why aren't we making uh, internet videos together? And then we just started to to churn those babies out for better or worse. And and that and that's where is that's where workaholics came from. Yeah, kind that of. Was, that just, was the incubator, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just sort of shot a bunch of videos in the house that we lived in together, and. Uh, and then someone gave us office space, and they're like, "Yeah, you guys can use it. We like your videos. If you want to use these, you're more than welcome." Uh, these offices, and so we like put on ties one day and went and filmed like a, a series of YouTube videos. And uh, the premise was we live together and we work together, and that's what Comedy Central saw, and they were like, "This is this is great. You guys should do this." We thought the idea was too simple. We kept uh, we kept pitching. At that time, we were recording an album of us as gangster rapping wizards from another realm uh, (laughs) with rhymes like straight out of Mordor, four more wizards come to your door. Don't sit to us because we're the motherfucking sorcerers, (laughs) you know. Standard. Oh, my God. We had like a full album, like I think like 15 tracks or something like that. And uh, we were really pushing that. And we go into Comedy Central, and they want to hear the workaholics pitch, and we pitch them that. But at the end of it, we're like, but what we really want to do is <laughs> <laughs> these gangster rapping wizards. And they're like, definitely not that. Please pitching us that. Yeah. Stop pitching us that. <laughs> so you're kind of the – I mean, it blows me away as a 51-year-old now dad for the second time around what YouTube has become. I mean, you you kind of were one of the first – at least people that I know that, that were you were doing things, putting stuff up. People were finding it. People were clicking on it. You gathered some momentum, and then turned yeah. it into what you turned it into. But my God, YouTube is is as big as anything out there. Which I, I had five years ago. I had no idea any of that was even really there. Yes, I. Uh, you know, and I still like it's changed so much since we got on it uh, that I don't I can't even follow it now. You know, I mean, it's now it's like unboxing videos and kids are making yeah. like 15 million dollars a year on wrapping toys. And I'm like, well, it's we unbelievable. Have more toys. <laughs> um, <laughs> we didn't unwrap any toys. 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, there's some of it I get and some of it I don't, but it, it was just like a platform that uh, yeah truly revolutionized how you can get your content out there. It was I remember the first time I saw it, it was uh, we were editing a video, some like casting associate, like an assistant from MTV saw me do standup and gave me her card. And I took that back to the guys and I'm like, guys, I got an in with MTV. We have to shoot a pilot. So we shot a full on half hour TV show, sketch show that we were going to present to MTV. By the way, no real connection. Just this girl who by the time we were done shooting the pilot no longer works at MTV and I have no (laughs) plug at MTV because it took us all summer to shoot and edit this thing. So we were editing this pilot. And uh, one of the guys that Kyle had brought over to help edit the pilot was like, hey, my friends from Berkeley actually just got on SNL. They're going to be on SNL this next season. Uh, And they make internet videos. And we're like, oh, really? Show us their stuff. We'll be the judge if they're funny. And it's the Lonely Island guys. It's Andy Samberg and that whole crew. And it was before they were on SNL and they – were the first people that we've ever seen a YouTube video. So they showed us in one of their old videos. And not only was the video hilarious and those guys are super funny, but also we were like, hold up. You can just press because press play and it'll start playing. Like YouTube was a new thing. And that was the first video I saw in there. Because before then it was like you're sending QuickTime files and then it'd take mm-hmm. 20 minutes to download or or you would actually like burn a DVD and like send it to people and then obviously they're never going to watch that. So <laughs> right. uh, so wow. yeah, it, cha- it definitely changed the game for us. I know now it's just craziness. I mean, now my kids, I have 3 kids, you know, 13, yeah. 11 and 7 and YouTube is uh, it's just nuts. I mean, it's yeah. just there's so much and then and again, they watch the craziest shit that I don't understand how it's even entertaining. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't it's get it. It's not aimed at you. If you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend about Daddy Issues and go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go tell a friend. It's like please, a pyramid scheme, okay? Please, you tell one friend, please, and then those friends tell two friends, please, and then then four, six. It's called please, exponential, exponential. Have your daddy tell your daddy about daddy issues. Yes, let's go make this thing big. Not for us, for you. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss the rest of our conversation with Adam Devine coming up right after the break. It's, it's all of this is interesting to me because I feel like, and, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but if you go out to California and you're basically like saying to your mom and dad, mainly your dad, just go with me on this, you know, there, there's a drive that's put into you that I, I, I hear, you know, when you go through all that, you were doing things at this, you know, really kind of forcing your way in and not the typical like lay around guy waiting for somebody to discover them while they lay on their couch. You're out there shooting videos, putting shows together, eventually doing stand up. I mean that that to me, do you look back now as a 37 year old and go, God, how did I how did I You're like do that's all exhausting. That? <laughs> yeah. Sounds horrible. <laughs> oh my God. Every night at an open mic, yuck. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I am glad I started when I was as young as I did and uh, and definitely had that drive. But I, I do think that I'm not special uh, in 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 coming up in any way, because after working at the improv and being around comedy for as many years as I've I've been around it now, you really see the people that put in the work and put uh, that have that drive and that motivation to go out there every night and to always be writing and and you see those people rise to the top and you see the people that that when I was starting I'm like oh that guy's so just naturally talented he's so good but then he's lazy as hell and then nothing ever comes for him because mm, nobody's yeah. nobody's looking out yeah, for you and your career. I know I know you those know guys. I, mean? I look at that guy in the fucking mirror, mirror every day. <laughs> Oliver no. <laughs> no, come on. No, come back. Oliver, I'm, happy. Happy. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not, I, I just when you would you launch into stand up though? I, I comedy can be so subjective and and if you're making your friends laugh that's one thing but you that is such a leap. I know the doing the Second City stuff and, and doing the improv, that helps. Mm-hmm. But to go up there alone and create and do a set of however long, you know, y- you don't know who's sitting out there. You don't know what their sensibilities are. And you've got to somehow make a group of strangers laugh. That, that, that's, that's a tall task, I would imagine. Yeah, I think it's uh, the type of thing that if you... Uh, I mean... Yes, it is. It's it. It was terrifying for sure, but it, it it kind of like gave you a little bit of a suit of armor, you know. So then when you would go and you'd bomb in front of you know twelve people in North Hollywood, and then you'd go into an audition room and there's four people there and they're judging you, and it means less when if you're just an actor and you go into a room and there's four people judging you, you're like, oh my god, they're judging me, and you're like, yeah, I'm used to doing this every night. Uh, so it, it kind of helped. I saw it immediately help in other, uh, in other ways other than just, because if it was, ju- if I was only doing stand up, I might've given up sooner because it is a tough go that first year of doing stand up, even if you are doing fairly well, which I was doing fairly well. Uh, it is, it is a miserable existence for sure. Yeah, see, it's funny because it was almost the opposite for Bobby Lee, who I did a TV show with. Mm-hmm. You know, he, 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 I mean, the dude is as free as it gets. I mean, he shows his butthole on stage, which he's, he's had to always like, showing his butthole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's, he's had to stop doing that. But that was his thing, you know, and everyone's seen his dick. And, it, you know, that's, that's him. He gets uh-huh. our first scene on the show we did, Splitting Up Together. He which is, is on a, ABC, by the way. <laughs> right. He no is no ma- network says butthole and uh, show me it your dick. It truly like is ABC. America's broadcast network <laughs> <laughs> channel. He is uh, he's so petrified, you know, and worried about doing it right and not confident that he can pull it off. And, and, and I remember having to sort of talk him off a ledge i'm like dude bobby relax you're great you're funny just chill out well there's yeah there is another side to it i feel like a lot of comics have real deep-seated neuroses not speaking specifically on bobby but definitely bobby bobby Uh, yeah (laughs) but uh yeah i mean for, for sure and that's why they they get into comedy but uh yeah i think every everybody's a little different yeah 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 what about kids yeah, you but gonna, Bobby, wanna... Bobby is fucked up. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Bobby, by the way, Bobby, 
Bobby's such a great dude. I mean, yeah, he is. He's awful. he is such a good human, and he's so funny and so fucking insane. I, Bobby I just, was I one of the, the first. Uh, Bobby Lee was one of the first, the first established comment comics that uh, sort of wasn't just nice to me. I remember uh, mm-hmm. I did a, a set at the. Uh, Laugh Factory, and he was like, "You hungry?" And we went next door, and he like bought me uh, dinner, which was I was just like, "It's so, it's so, you know, cool." Oh, and that's nice so great. Do. And yeah. then he showed me He's his bubble. Awesome. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, he did. That's, that's just what you get with dinner. That's what you get with dinner. <laughs> we did. We just ate matzo ball soup. Um, <laughs> kids, uh, I uh, yeah, you can yeah have I kids? think uh, I would. Yeah, I, I, we we actually talk about it. I feel like this quarantine has gotten Chloe. A little bit of the baby fever because mm-hmm. we've just been stuck in the house and we've sort of been nesting, you know, as b- before the pandemic. I've never spent more than a, a week straight at my house. I'm always going to do something or away for a weekend or even if it's just a few days here and there. So I've never spent this much time in the house. And I think we've just been here and we've she's fully nested in here and then. Now, uh, now it's it's baby o'clock. Does it scare? Does it scare you at all, though? Does it scare you? Meaning, like you, you your work is a priority for you, right? You, you bust your ass. I mean, it's what you sure. love. It's your passion. I, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Does it? Do you get nervous at all about what a kid will do to sort of that drive, or or what you might have to sacrifice for uh, no. the kid? No, no, not at all. Uh, no, not at all. I because uh, I'm going to exploit them. I'm going to uh, <laughs> put them on yeah, the internet all make the time. Money off of them for sure. I'm going dude. to uh, maybe I I, ha- I hand them a Capri Sun. We get a sort of Capri Sun, some delight <laughs> deal out of it. Uh, it's a bidding war, uh, yeah. but no. I mean, truthfully, it doesn't. It doesn't really scare. Maybe it should scare me more than it does. I I have this tendency a lot where I'm not scared of something until I'm doing it, and then I realize I should have been more scared of the thing that I'm doing, but the, now mm-hmm. I'm already doing it. So it is what That's it is. the best way to live though, because you're not projecting anything. It's like, I'm here now and then whatever's going to happen then, is going to happen. And then you always just sort of, uh, it's always better. And th- then you kind of thought, I mean, not always, sometimes things suck, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, usually you build things up to be worse in your head than it actually is. I would say most times. And then once you're doing it, you're like, well, all right. Yeah. And that's what I I think a child uh, rearing is going to be. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What? uh, 18, 20 years of this? Uh, All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I just, I'm, you know, I'm a bit the opposite of you, right? I mean, I, I, I love what I do, but I love fun and I love my freedoms to do what it is I want to do. And my priorities are with my kids and my family. You know, mm-hmm. I have sacrificed a lot of my career um, because of I, I have prioritized something a little bit different, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I asked the question, meaning, you know, there are jobs that I haven't taken because I was going to be too far away from them. There are things that I have not done, movies I have not done, because I would rather go on a trip, okay, mm-hmm. with my Titanic. family. That was a bad Titanic. decision. Right. Bad Titanic. decision. You should have done Titanic. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is us. This is us. I decided to go fishing instead of testing. And, oh, uh, you man. Know, who knows if that would have actually worked out. Mandy but... Moore is so much better than you would have been. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. 
Yeah, I think I think I did it. Uh, I mean, I hope I I did it right. But uh, I, you know, I, I'm I'm 37 years old now, uh, and I kind of I waited around till now. I feel like I at least you know you never really have a true grip on on this business because it's always changing. I think I heard someone say, I think it was Jim Gaffigan say the entertainment business is just. Uh, you're constantly building a, a melting snow fort and that mm-hmm. that snow fort is always it's always melting so you got to be making a new one constantly and and that's totally butchered he said it much more eloquently than i just mm-hmm. <laughs> said but uh it makes a lot of sense and i think uh i think i i've waited until i was i'm 37 now and uh i think now i at least have some kind of handle on uh, a balance between my career and and having a, a wife and kids, and I think mm-hmm. even five years ago, if I would, I would have just truly, uh, you know, crashed and burned when it but, came. But to I both think I, you've you've done yourself a favor, and love is love. But you you found somebody that that understands the business and and understands what it takes for you to be you, and you know what it takes to be successful, and you can have open, honest conversations about having kids eventually or what this marriage is going to look like so that, you know, you can work together instead of constantly pulling at one another for to be heard or to be understood with what it takes to succeed. Yeah, I, uh, I agree, Joe. And I hope that's exactly how it uh, plays out. Chloe, listen to Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Chloe, you get it. You get him. You understand the business. You get me, Chloe. You understand. Is she there? <laughs> no. She's somewhere in the house. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Mm. Uh, she, right now well, she's like, <laughs> I thought he was yeah. doing the podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so your podcast, I think, is brilliantly titled. Mm-hmm. And the idea of it, explain the idea, because I think I get it, but... It's a play uh, on what is supposed to be the most important thing, but it's really ridiculous. Well, it's sort of like how uh, Workaholics was titled Workaholics and we're three idiots who never do any work. And uh, our podcast is called This Is Important. Uh, you know, get it wherever you get your podcast. And yes. uh, it's it's basically everything is so important in now, like everything is so important mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everyone thinks everything is so important because everyone has a platform to say what they think is important. So now mm-hmm. everything has become important. And we realize <laughs> that nothing we say is actually important, but we might as well say this is important. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that is the podcast. <laughs> it's just us being idiots. <laughs> Talk about what we think is important, which isn't anything important. Right. But which turns out to be important for a lot of people probably <laughs> well, i mean turns, when uh, I, enough it, people like it, to it, listen to us uh, you know <laughs> fart into a microphone for an hour so hey please please uh, tune in <laughs> it could, it's important <laughs> it, it could be an important thing you know people could, fart into be. a microphone but it, you're right some, i mean we're we're in a new world where with all these different platforms i mean people are putting their lunch up and oh my god this was amazing and they've got filters on it and it's i mean enough's enough i i don't know where this all the spiral ends i it does i don't think it ends well for any of us but my god i for you 
you know, doing comedy and at times not thinking through everything that comes out of your mouth and the different ways it could upset or, you know, I, I just, it's such a minefield now. It's got to be terrifying you, on one hand. You know, it is, but also, uh, I think as a comedian, you always just have to be ready to kind of uh, burn it all to the ground. And if you're not willing to say what's on your mind, and uh, then what? Then what are you doing? I mean, then you're not a comedian. Um, yeah, but, and that's but, fine. but you, you have don't to have be to careful. Be a but you have to be careful with that. Obviously, now you can't just say what's on your mind anymore. That just. But it also, doesn't, doesn't, I feel. I feel what's on my mind is I, I've. Yeah, maybe you might be right. Cut, cut to a week later, I'm just fully canceled. After this comes out, <laughs> <laughs> he mentioned Bobby Lee's I mean, butthole one too many times. Yeah, He's done. Right. But but, uh, but what I'm saying is that doesn't mean when I say you can't say what's on your mind. I don't think that means that you have nefarious or evil or cancelable thoughts. It's just that sure. you might have interpretations of things or philosophies about things or even just pontificating. You know. It doesn't necessarily talk about your heart, but you can't really do those things much anymore. You have to censor yourself greatly. Yeah, you have to have a real strong point of view. Um, and actually, unless you're Bill Burr, <laughs> yeah, Bill Burr can say and do whatever he'd like. He's a mm -hmm. he's a, he's a damn genius. Uh, yeah, and also I feel like some people can. I feel like I have enough goodwill with people that they know that. I'm not coming at anything, as you say, from a nefarious place, or mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I mean anyone any real harm, and it all comes from a, a fun, good place. So that's that's sort of the leg that I'm standing on, and uh, hope, you well, know, you know, hopefully that doesn't you know, come back to up, bite though. me. <laughs> What's kind of fucked up is it's not equitable. Because if you have established yourself earlier on as a comedian or someone who is subversive or who is allowed to say those things, then you get a pass. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, take Howard Stern, who's like a god to me. Okay. Sure. Howard Stern, they tried maybe five months ago or whatever, they tried to do something where he was tried to cancel him. You can't touch him. He's Teflon, right? But if you go back in his career, or fuck back, go back three weeks. But if you go way back and listen to the types of things that he said and he did, it's insane. But you don't yeah. touch him. You can't touch him, right? But if you're a new person coming up, you know, you have to be careful. Yeah, you can't be throwing uh, baloney at naked women if you're a new person coming up in the radio game. You gotta right. have a different spin. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's been done. No baloney. It's yeah, already been no done. Baloney. No baloney. No. Go to the Brown Braunschweiger. Braunschweiger packs a punch. Braunschweiger's got some girth. It's dense. Or anal anal ring toss too. There's anal ring yeah, toss. Yeah, there was that that back well, in the day. Well, that seems yeah. fun. That seems fun. Yeah, that's more of I a mean, visual can... element. That's. Uh, I mean, who hasn't done that? That's a YouTube video. You might have to check what your children are watching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh God. Yeah. All right. So what's next? What, what's what's in the hopper for you? And then we'll let you go, Adam, because I uh, I, I know you're you're working on something. What's coming? I got. Uh, I'm actually. Thank God. I I've been out of work for a year now because of the pandemic, uh, and wasn't able to shoot my show. But I'm uh, next week. I'm actually heading back to South Carolina to shoot the Righteous Gemstones on HBO. 
that uh, I love love doing, and I can't. I can't you're wait so to get good back in it, buddy, there. and your your character is just fucking phenomenal. What a great <laughs> Thanks, part, man. To, what a great part it's, to play, huh? It's so fun. I, I mean, yeah. I'm having a blast doing it, and. I mean, the cast is so damn funny. Uh, McBride is is sort of on my Mount Rushmore of, of yeah. uh, comics. He was one of the first, like a lot of other comics, they seem like, they just seemed older and they seemed out of my realm. Like they seem like gods. Like, mm-hmm. the, like the Will Ferrells, the Ben Stillers, the Sandlers, you know, the older than that, the Bill Murrays and, and things like that. I'm like, well, I'll never be them like i'm not i'm mm-hmm. nothing like them those guys are, are kings but then mcbride was the first one that when i saw some of his earlier stuff i was like oh i could do movies like that like that's sort of how i talk with my friends and and uh so he was kind of immediately a more contemporary king of mine and when he asked me to do the show i kind of lost my mind mm. yeah uh, he he's the man dude i, yeah, I love he really Danny. is He's a good person too, and just yeah, fucking hysterical guy. and smart, and yeah, mm-hmm. he's great, dude. I love him. And then uh, John Goodman um, plays our dad. Yeah, Goodman and yeah, Goodman. Goodman in yeah, there. I mean, he's, a, he's, he's a king. That he's dude from is. here. He's from St. Louis. Well, I've, I've known John forever. He used to come down to Cardinal right. games all the time, and oh my god, the guy. He is. You talk about an accessible guy. Uh, every yeah. time I'm around him, the way he is to everybody. I mean, you would not know. He has no air about him that is like, hey, I'm a star walking in. He's just kind of like there. Yeah. I, I love him. He's the man. He truly is. And uh, yeah, he's just so funny and so giving in scenes and all that, you know, actory stuff. But he's he's truly a good dude. And our, our sister, Edie Patterson, who is so funny on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. she was on Vice Principals, Danny's show before this one. And she's just a scene stealer. And like anytime I'm in a scene with her, uh, I'm almost jealous of uh, how many scenes she's stealing. I'm like, oh, I got to pick up the pace over here. She's running laps. <laughs> uh, and she's she's so damn funny, too. So I'm excited to get back uh, to do that. And then you- and then after that, I got to, uh, we're going to do a Workaholics movie. So that oh, was just cool. announced nice. uh, on Paramount Plus. And uh, we... we you know, now we actually got to write this thing, so we have we have an idea as to what we're doing, and and now we actually have to put, um, you know, the fingers to the keyboard and and, mm-hmm. and pound this baby out. So that's now I, you're you know, making Oliver got feel a lot bad again. Plate. No, I think yeah. I think you need to go pen to paper on this one. We're going old school. <laughs> no yeah, one will be able to school. read it. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> treat um, it like a big journal. Yeah, I'll go that's quill right. to parchment. Yes. Perfect. Uh, well, we we've both been fans. Uh, I, I just I don't know. You steal you steal enough scenes yourself, Adam. Yes, so, you do. So <laughs> oh, thank you for thank you for coming on. Thanks for being open and uh, good luck with everything. And say hi to yeah. Goodman for me. Well, good do. luck with the the wedding when it comes and the future kids. Man, rooting for you. Love you, buddy. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much, Thanks, Adam. guys. Take care. All right. See ya. See ya. Thank you. We have created a new segment, okay? You we did. don't ha- Okay, I did. It's something called Guest Roulette. Guest Roulette, Guest Roulette. You never believe who you're gonna get. Don't forget, it's Guest Roulette. It might be someone you've never met. Guest Roulette, Guest Roulette. 
Go. Just describe it. I'm playing. Okay. 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 Go. So, guest roulette. We have many, many, many people waiting in our Zoom waiting room right now. Joe and I will be calling upon a guest. Well, they will be coming on the screen. We will have a quick conversation with them. It may last five minutes. It may last ten. These guests have not been pre-screened. We have no idea who the fuck these people are. Wrap it up, Oliver. Wrapping it up. Guest roulette. Guest roulette. Let's see what happens when we bring in our first guest. Margo! Bring it on. Steven. Yes, sir. Steven, I'll give I'll give you a five hundred thousand dollars for your hair right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you would say something like that. Yeah, right? of course I would. I know. I'm we finally we finally got we finally got some youth on the podcast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's uh, that's right, buddy. How old are you? I am twenty years old, um, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Wow, we're mm, big in the nice. south. Evidently. Well, you know, oh, yeah. Joe. Obviously, the first thing Joe looks at is hair on every human I know. being. You know, I know. and you know, for, for those of you who can't see, Steven's got some pretty sweet. He's got hair. a great head of hair. He's got nice yeah. teeth. I mean, he's so far ahead of the game already. Yeah, he's twenty um, years old, listening to these old dudes. You know, oh talk yeah, shit. no, I knew I was kind of the minority in the age group. Yeah, <laughs> not not many twenty-year-olds uh, listening to you guys. Are you going to school down there? Or are you at LSU? I am. I'm, in, um, I'm a junior in college at uh, Nichols State University. In oh, Thibodeau. great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Nice. Actually, um, I do uh, PA announcing and, and play-by-play for the basketball I was going to say, team. your voice is better than mine. So, And you're like <laughs> in the best room. You're, you've got uh, serious bass going on there. It's it, That's oh, yeah. a good room for you. I'm in the library. I had to sneak into a study room. I didn't make a reservation, so I'm on guard. Okay. Oh, good. I, All right, I good. Knock, I got a knock coming. Uh, okay, great. well, let's get to yeah. it then. So you don't How can get, we help you? you busted. <laughs> What's your daddy issue? Uh, I don't actually have any. I uh, have a Good. great relationship with my dad. He's 53. His name is Bill, mm. one of my mm. best friends. And he, um, uh, I mean, he's just so supportive and just a really easy guy to talk to and hang around with. And he's, you know, I, I've talked about it before. He's, he's, he does the, he's the perfect combination of like, stepping in and then just saying F it and kind of stepping away. Mm. I remember when I was a kindergartner, my brother was a first grader. And so first graders ride the bus and uh, I was with, I was at the bus stop with him and uh, you know, everybody gets on the bus from the neighborhood and I'm looking at my dad, looking at the bus and he's like, go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, you get up there, go figure it out. You know, and it's, <laughs> he's kind of done that my whole life and it's, it's helped mm. me, you know, Kind of step yeah. out of my comfort. Good for you and good for him. That's not yeah. easy to do as a parent. You'll see, and you'll you'll have appreciation for that. And you know, yeah. my dad did forever and is in the Hall of Fame doing what I do. And when I started at 19 in AAA and then 21 in the same booth next to him, he was never the guy that that after the game was like, "Well, let me tell you how I would have called this," or let me, "This yeah. is where you made a mistake." He just right. let me find my own way, and yeah. it's hard to do as a parent. I'm not good at it yet, um, but man, I'm so glad he did because I think yeah. it would have had resentment or something, you know, that would have pushed me away from him, and instead it drew me closer to him. For yeah. Sure. By the way, yeah. you know, I love that you have a great relationship with your dad and. And it is called daddy issues, but the issue could be that there is a non-issue. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. and and I love I, I love that man. And uh, yeah. 
Are you actually announcing? I mean, are you are you working? I mean, are you doing I'm, it for school for so your team? No, I'm actually teams? I'm actually a, a criminal justice major. I'm going to LSU Law School after I graduate here. I know your uh, former partner Joe was uh, went to law school. Um, oh, Tim I, Green. Yeah, Tim Green. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. So we'll see where it takes me. I, I really enjoy sports broadcasting, but we'll see. You know. Well, I, I mean, if <laughs> to have the desire to be a sports broadcaster, but you can fall back on like a <laughs> law degree and, you know, the next uh, Mitch McDeer from the firm. Uh, yeah. you know, great. Good for you. Uh, yeah. I, I think you've I already like you. So uh, I appreciate it. I, yeah. I feel like we're doing America's Got Talent. So let's, let's hear <laughs> you know. call a. Let's hear you call a triple into the left field corner. Go. Yeah, no, I, I start baseball here shortly and uh, never caught a baseball game. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, well, well I mean, call- it's, it's go ahead. I, well, well, I'm just saying, look, as a performer, as an actor or whatever the hell you want to call me, sometimes people are like, oh, be funny. Do yeah. your thing. They put you on the spot. We obviously want to put you on the spot because yeah. of your voice and because of what you do. If you right. want to make a call of some kind. If you feel it in your bones right now that you could actually pull that off, don't want to put you on the spot, but the stage is yours to impress the Hall of Famer, Mr. Joe Buck. Uh, well, uh, I'm, uh, I need you to uh, lay down a scenario. Let's go. Where are okay. we? Sport Runner, Joe, put, put it well, out, if you Joe. Say, if you say you haven't done baseball, then what's your sport to this point? I, I love basketball. Basketball, I mean. All right. So uh, you, you, the <laughs> – the ones New Orleans Joe, like, Pelican. No, I. That's how I started doing basketball when I was his yeah. age. When I was that kid's age, right there, I was doing college basketball. So, but let's say the uh, Pelicans are down by one with eight seconds left on the clock. They've got the ball under their own basket, and uh, you know they need a win to get into the playoffs. Go ahead. Let's say let's say we're down one to the Spurs. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No timeouts left. Three seconds left. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Zion, Ingram, Ball, Bledsoe, and Redick, the five on the floor for the Pels. Okay. All right. And I'll be like Joe Myers. Okay. All right. So uh, three seconds left. Pelicans down one here in the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans, Louisiana. Not a seat being used. Everybody on their feet. Ball, the inbounder. Full court pass to Redick. Three-pointer in the corner. Knocks it down. J.J. Redick wins the game for the New Orleans Pelicans. And, folks, this crowd is wild, and Joe Buck is happy, and Oliver Hudson yeah. is happy. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, well, good job. It. Are you going to get that, kicked man. out of the library? That was awesome. Good job. Yeah, no, that, that, that was probably it. I'll, I'll be getting the knock here shortly. Right. I, uh, I, have a quick, I have a quick story for you, Joe. All right, go ahead. All right, Oliver. I mean, I think you're awesome. But that, yeah, they now don't we, worry, we Joe. Uh, I'm better looking than him. It's fine. No, no yeah, you're right. You're right. And you got yeah, better yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah I got better hair. They got better hair. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, obviously, you know Brad Nessler, the um, yes. SEC MC. Yeah, great voice. Love him. So he had a story. I was listening to a podcast. When, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was or don't quote me. I think it was uh, Soldier Field. He was at a Bears game in like the mid '70s, and he and his dad were leaving, and he ran into Pat Summerall. And, you know, he was calling the game. Obviously, you know, Pat, you're his replacement. Sure. Um, so and, and young Brad Nessler, 10 or 11, little chubby kid, walks up to Pat. He goes, Pat, I'm going to take your job one day. And uh, Pat goes, good luck, kid. <laughs> and so that was that. And years later, when Brad, you know, becomes a well-known commentator and a, a, a personality, 
he find, he sees a Pat at a banquet or some preseason meeting or something. He goes, Pat, do you remember in the mid seventies, a, a, a chubby t- a 10 or 11 year old boy coming up to you saying that uh, he's going to take your job? Pat goes, that was you. Brad goes, yeah, that was me. Pat goes, you're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. I, it makes me think of my dad when, when people would say uh, to little kids, like people your age, even younger, Mr. Buck, I want to be an announcer. Um, wh- what's your advice to somebody that wants to get into your profession and be an announcer for the Cardinals? Yeah. Start, start smoking. <laughs> which you don't need to say i mean you don't need to have a lower voice your voice is already no. lower than yeah, when no. i was doing cardinals you've got I, it i, I don't have yeah. a deep voice but i mean i, I embrace that you know I'm, no I'm not you got it you you got yeah. it you already got the uh, twinkle in your eye you, you're nah, he's got you. I, was, I was about to say steven's steven's got some shit there's something yeah. he's got it yeah. he's got it he's got a little twinkle Keep well, it i going, appreciate brother. that i appreciate Keep that guys going, man Big, yeah. big fans of you too. Seriously, thank you, thank you brother. Thanks for checking in, Steve. Thanks yeah, for guys. checking in, man. You can awesome. take my job. I'll and I'll remember right, yeah, this. Yeah. Okay, Watch out, Joe. I'm coming. All right, good. You can All right, guys. It. All right, thank you. Later, dude. Steven's a man. I know. Stud. I like Steven. Stud. Yeah, I'd hire him right now. Well, this was fun, man. This is really fun. Yes. Love you, mean it. Bye. Love you, mean it. Peace. Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. 